Welcome to Go Closer, the podcast that explores spiritual transformation and what it takes to go closer to God each day. Hi, I'm Kara Whitney. I'm a wife, a mom, and an evangelist author. Hi, I'm Arnie Cole, a behaviorist and researcher for the Center for Bible Engagement that loves to study life transformation. You know, every person has a story. And today we have a story that will inspire you to go closer. Arnie, this is a friend of yours, and I will state for the record, I was very intimidated by this guest. Why? Because I am a person who enjoys safety and structure, and I say I trust God, but sometimes I'm a little hesitant to step out. But Paul, man, he is out there. I met him when I worked for YWAM, and we were in Israel, of all places, when the Gaza was blowing up, and and there were bombings in Jerusalem, and uh, Paul and I became best friends doing ministry there. Yeah, I will say this is a really amazing show, and it actually helped me go closer because I need to step out more and know that, that I'm safe with God. So listen to Paul's story. You're really going to enjoy it. Our guest today is a personal friend of Arnie, so I'm just going to let him take the lead on it. Paul, when I was a a new believer, um, Paul was a tremendous, and still is, mentor, influence on my life. One of the reasons I walked away from the faith was because Christians were boring. So I meet this crazy guy, and it's like... I'm so glad I became a Christ follower because I found somebody who's crazier than all my friends who are going to hell. And Paul was a hang glider in uh, Israel, um, missionary, um, all of this stuff, uh, but a tremendous influence um, in my life because he was always and still is on fire for Jesus and just a crazy crazy dude. We, we, uh, and his promise to Shar was he promised her I wouldn't get killed when we were in uh, Israel at, at these um, crazy places, things going on. A um, few times I had to remind Paul his promise to me. <laughs> You'd hear tanks firing and we'd go to these places, but uh, just, just a tremendous guy uh, who loves the Lord um, super avid um, sports freak, um, and uh, uh, just a, a a great guy. So, Paul, did you always have a relationship with Jesus? Like, how did you get started then? Well, when I was nine, my parents went to a Billy Graham crusade in a stadium in San Diego. And what he said just made sense, so that was my start. You know, I got up and went down to the ball field and they gave me my Bible and gave me some counsel, and that was my start. <laughs> what about your parents? Were Well, they took you to Billy Graham, so were, were they believers then? They had a relationship or just No, curious? they were very serious. They met in Colorado, and they were a part of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship at university, so they were very engaged. We went to church uh, from the time I can remember until I was 17 years old, three times a week, Monday morning, Monday Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday evening. <laughs> so let's hear your story. Yeah, well, I, I, I think I can preface what I'm going to say by saying that my, my whole family learned this. Um, but 
but we grew up in a, in a church environment, in our family environment, where we had the Word, but we, we weren't reading the Word with the Holy Spirit, um, so it was dry. Uh, my family would fight a lot, my parents would fight a lot, we'd go to church, put on the smiles, go through the tradition, come home, and that, that really bothered me. Um, going up until about the time I was 17, it was just really kind of egging me that, you know, I see, I see my family's life and my life, and it's not matching up with the Word. What's going on here? And then my sister, who was a couple years younger than me, got pregnant at 15, and then our whole world just fell through. You know, my, my dad was a deacon at a conservative Baptist church, and my mother involved, and um, that was so, that was such a crisis, and I, I just said, if that's God, I'm, I don't want anything to do with it. And I went so far over <laughs> into the just drugs and everything and burglary even that the, when I hit 18, the judge said, you know, you've been a good boy up to this time. <laughs> Small logging town south of Eugene, Oregon at this point. And um, instead of going to jail, I'll let you go to the armed services. So I did that. So at 18, I went to the to the Marine Corps for two years, and that really helped. And long story short, after after that, I met an old girlfriend that was uh, combining love for the Scripture and, and reading with the Holy Spirit, and that just made so much sense to me. And it went from there. In 1984, I, I locked in with some people going overseas, and I'd been pretty much overseas uh, in Africa and some other places until three years ago. So I went to the uh, Christian Heritage College. That was um, Tim LaHaye's university down there. And they had a School of Missionary Aviation Fellowship. So I signed up for all that. That was in 77. Uh, and yeah, that got me going. <laughs> Did you and Arnie meet them when you were in California? Uh, when Arnie was in California? Or Arnie, were you in Nebraska already? Oh, no, no. I was in California. I forget how, how we met, but we worked in Israel. I was uh, CEO of Megavoice, which made digital Bibles, and uh, Paul was the COO and everything. And then we did this thing called Business as Missions, where you train missionaries to look like business people in closed country. It was the most bizarre thing because, no offense, Paul, because Paul's a missionary, right. and but Paul's completely <laughs> different from a lot. But missionaries and business people, they look quite a bit different. Uh, you know, missionaries go on furlough. Uh, they do things that business people just just don't do. So we work for um, YWAM Youth with the Missions and uh, just had a, a tremendous time in Israel. We did. And um, the intro really wasn't too fair because if anybody asked me, who Arnie Cole is to me, I would say he's my big brother and my mentor. <laughs> I, I never thought you would give Which me an intro like that. Be, yeah. Right? But anyway, yeah, we yeah, we met there and um anyway, you know, Arnie's one of the you know, if you have different people in your life that the Lord uses to to be pivotal and life changing, and Arnie's one of them. <laughs> yeah. So in your bio, I I wasn't sure if I wanted to touch on this or not, but I think I will just and we'll see where it goes. But, you know, you talk about in your bio that you encountered a spiritually abusive leader. Can you just kind of touch on that a little bit? You know, this could happen in any any mission. Um, but just, you know, um, you know, there's a couple of approaches to missions. You have some organizations or missions that they're only going to send you overseas until you've pastored a church. You know, you're solid. Your family's well on the way. 
you know, so the mission I was, we, we didn't have much of an orientation. You know, the, this young leader wasn't vetted and he was just so ambitious for, for Jesus that he was willing to, to suffer and make everybody else suffer too. <laughs> and um, the spiritual abuse you can use when you're, when you're not resting in your relationship with Jesus, you know, if you're not getting up, you know, and in the word and hearing from him and at peace and then really feeling his love. And then you're, you're working from overflow. You know, it's taken me a long time to learn that. But at that point in time, <laughs> none of us had, wor- had worked through that. And this guy especially, you know, it was all about, um, we get points for suffering for Jesus. And uh, you're on my team, so welcome to suffering. <laughs> How do you get out of something like that? And no. then how do you like personally recover from that? Are you just spiritually mature enough at this point to say, you know what, this is a bad egg and this is man, but I follow Jesus and you move on? Or did you really struggle then with your faith a little bit with that? I don't think I struggled with my faith. What I struggled with was my own pride. Um, because then then I was thrown into a leadership position and I was making some of the same mistakes. So what I learned over, over not so much the spiritual abuse, but I was making my own proper mistakes, if that makes sense. And then I realized that, you know, we're all on a journey. I'm going to pray for this guy. How do you know, Paul, when you're called to go somewhere? Because you've you've been all these places. And I think one thing when I became a believer, one of the mistakes that I made was, I'm going to go out and volunteer. Mm -hmm. And so I personally was putting myself in a place, much like the guy you're just talking about, um, where I'm in over my head because I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to show the Lord how involved I am. But it doesn't really fit your spiritual gifts, whatever. Like, how do you know every place you've been, the Lord's putting you there? Or have you ever been uneasy about any of those things? Um, It's been pretty clear. I'll give you a couple of examples. But first, I want to I want to mention this because you are back to the Bible. <laughs> and I really, um, I, I get so much life. I think my life-changing moment, the, the biggest one was just having a harmony of the Gospels. And I get up and I read that every morning. And I spend time with Jesus and I, and I hear from him. You know, I'm like, what's going on? And I have my journal next to me and he just gives me different thoughts. To me, that's been just so huge. One thing that uh, I've learned over the years with Paul um, is he truly is a Christ follower of courage. Paul has put his life on the line. I know uh, when we were in the Middle East, uh, we were working with uh, missionaries, a lot of YWAM missionaries that were in very dangerous situations at that time. There were bombings in uh, Jerusalem, uh, all of these different things. And Paul was never afraid. And I would ask Paul, why? And, and he would just tell me, I've just got so much peace from, uh, from the Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, it, it was crazy some of the things that— um, we were exposed to, and then he had these stories about when he worked with in World Vision, <clears throat> and he was the kind of missionary that lived on the same level as the people that uh, he was serving. So I believe it was the how do you Tarari people? Yeah, the nomads you would eat, in, in the Sahara. The nomads talk about that. You would eat yak and insects <laughs> and. Yeah. 
and you wanted to. I mean, that's what's so bizarre is Paul wanted to. Yeah, I think um, the Lord just weaves our lives together. You know, I grew up on that ranch and a mile from the border, and I'm seven years old. I had my 22 rifle and my collie dog, and I'm out there shooting rabbits and rattlesnakes and friends with the Border Patrol. And, you know, just uh, I think my parents gave me a, a good long leash, and that helped. But from one situation to the other situation, to kind of tie what you're saying, Arnie, to um, everything here, uh, one life experience just kind of led to another, you know, and I think the, the thing that really wrapped it up was that I really wanted that daily manna every day so I could kind of hear. You know? So, you know, I'm, I went with that first mission and I got to World Vision and I was with them for, for almost 15 years and one lesson led to another. And I think um, just being willing to go and then having that base where I've seen the Lord protect me so much. After so long, how can you doubt him, right? <laughs> you know, look at how many things you've gone through, Arnie. I mean, I thought you would have been dead by now. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's different. Um, so Paul's dedication to get on the level of the people is I've never seen any, anything like that. When I lived on the mission field with my parents, we lived, and all the missionaries lived, way better than uh, than the people. So that really impressed me. Going in the face of danger um, really impressed me. Uh, and then when Paul and I left uh, Megavoice, he, you went back to Mortania, and he got on a, a hit list of a, a terrorist organization and had prayer time with, a, a, I believe, a, a Wycliffe missionary. And when they left the coffee—and Paul had started a, a coffee shop to, to uh, win over uh, people to Jesus. And when they left from their prayer time, Paul went one direction, his friend went the other direction— and they thought it was Paul, and they murdered his missionary uh, friend. And you know, I'm there, Paul. Paul, you got to get out. You, you know, this is this is crazy. You know, this is st- you, you need to leave yesterday. And yet, Paul is, you know, was there. I think it took you six months to kind of get things um, where you could leave, um, but never um, a doubt that Jesus isn't following you or uh, it's, it's just, I've never met anybody with that kind of faith, Paul. Well, you know, I can, I'm, I'm thankful. And I just would underline, uh, it's, it's just so important to have your daily manna. You know what I mean? You just, I heard from Jesus today. I'm ready to go. And uh, you can't do that without the word. I just, that's what I'm, this, this whole life that you live, Paul, uh, one it's an it's a testimony that Christian life is not boring, um, and th- that it's fulfilling, and that also too what going back to what back to the Bible's mission is our ministry mission, uh, and that is to get people in the Word of God because that is that daily manna that's the power of four that Arnie talks about all the time being in the Word at least four times a week. Our preference every day, but if you can manage that I, more. I wouldn't do it any less than every day, and I try to spend a, a couple other times during the day just to 
just to hear from him because there's so much going on right now. Um, working with the Tuaregs, going back to that army, yeah, it's just beautiful getting to know people, whether you're having fun with them. The Tuaregs were practical jokers. They'd like to ambush people or scare them, and I kind of like that, too. We had so much fun. Now I'm working with the homeless, and I got I have a tent, and we're setting up organized camps to hide, to get them in a safe place so then we can take them into a, a micro-shelter that churches will sponsor, but you got to get to know people, so... I have a tent out there with them. I don't sleep out there all the time, but I go out there with my family sometimes. And that's just such a huge difference maker. It's really the, the, the heart of Jesus, I think. He's incarnate, right? He came down to us. He uh, got down on our level. And I think he he really likes that. He likes it when we do that, you know, with other people. <laughs> that's what I feel. I just feel his um, joy. Let me just correct one thing, Arnie, about the, <laughs> about the story about the, my friend and colleague. He was, um, I had just joined YWAM then in Mauritania because PACTEC cut me loose because the business wasn't able to incorporate aviation or communications. So they had just oh, cut me loose. I right. just joined YWAM. Uh, one of the guys, and so we were, the men were meeting at Equinox, you know, the business, and we were praying. And um, that morning when we prayed, he said, we were the only ones praying together. And I said, how's it going, Chris? And he said, well, um, I've been threatened by some local believers, you know, they're mad that they didn't get money or something like that. And, but I think I got it down. Okay. You know, then it was that next morning he was, he was shot. So, and the, um, there's a book out on that one. His wife has done really well since then. They got four kids. Uh, she speaks. It's interesting how the blood of the martyrs once again is really a beautiful thing. Right. Yeah. So Paul, you know, on the one hand, um, you've had very little college. You've had lots of training. And, um, you know, w one thing that we we fight as researchers is people thinking they've got to have training, they've got to um, go to college for four years, and you, you just went. You did it. You, you know, how do you take that, though, to the average person who is sitting there, you know, well, how do you just go out and live Jesus, even to the people that um, are around you? Um, how, how does that happen? Well, I know one thing I share, and I want to preface this by saying, I'm going to, you know, we got money set aside for Marcos and Carmen, my son and daughter, to go to college. Right? <laughs> I want them to go to college. <laughs> that would be a good foundation. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> You know what really worked out, and you mentioned it um, a little bit before too, is volunteering. Volunteering made all the difference. I'll give you an example. Um, when um, when I was seconded to World Vision, you know, they sent me to the head office in Dakar, Senegal, and I went there, and they said, uh, "Will you be willing to go to Bamako and meet the country director there? And uh, if he likes you, then he'll give you a contract." So I went there, and I did a bunch of work. He liked me, and he said, "He says, well." Would you be willing to go to Gao in the north of Mali to meet with the regional director up there to see if he likes you? And then if he likes you, then he'll give you a contract. So I go up there. He likes me. He sends me out to this post in Menica where I was for over six years. And he said, well, I'm going to see how you do up there. You know, and I mean, <laughs> I got a contract like three months later. But just being willing to do that opened huge doors, you know. And then I learned one thing from another. So I just learned on the job and I had the best professors in the world. I read books. I got in touch with mentors. 
I'd warm up to people like you, Arnie. You know? <laughs> and, uh, well, and uh, volunteering. That's right, because when we met, of course, none of us were paid, but you were volunteering for Galtronics for Kim, well, weren't you? Look, uh, look at that then, see? So I, 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 had, I had done that before a couple times already in life, so I said, okay, I want to make contact. So my, 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 uh, my offer to Ken is I want to do a, a case study, an informal case study. Just give me three weeks of asking questions. What, what worked well at Galatronics? What didn't work well? What are the lessons learned that you, that you got from that? And um, let me do that. I'll take care of myself. So they give me a, a place to stay. And the day I arrive was when Bill Goheen arrives to write a book on the Galatronics story. <laughs> Look at that. Thing. Oh, wow. So... I had the red car- his red carpet because he's writing a book on Galtronics. And so I got to know all the biblical scholars like uh, Hochstetler at the Nazareth Village. Um, and that was going for six months until the second Intifada. And that's when the violence broke out. And the, his investors right. weren't going right. to do that anymore. So we couldn't set that up. And we rolled into Mega Voice. He goes, well, I have another project for you. It's called Mega Voice. <laughs> that's where we intersected. But all that was because I volunteered. And after just three weeks of volunteer, he paid me a salary. So he gave me an apartment that I didn't have to pay for. He paid me a salary. And that's when you met me. He was paying me. And um, that was because, <laughs> because of Jesus, you know, I was just following and gave the favor and what I needed. But nobody asked you to uh, hang glide then off of uh, some of those mountains. <laughs> Nothing like flying over the Mount of Transfiguration, you know, and thinking about things. Doing that with Jesus, right? Or flying over yeah. where um, Mount Gilboa, where Saul and Jonathan were killed. You know, and you're just all the history of Israel. That was a very special time, for sure. So you're you're working now with homeless. You're putting them in these faith communities, Paul. But do you? Um, you're in the Word of God, and do you make? future plans or are you just kind of, I mean, you put way money for your kids' college, those types of things. But I'm just saying like, like, do you have future plans? Well, um, I do, but I think they've really been birthed in just in time with Jesus in the word and just some of these early morning times that I have, but they go back to 1983 when I was, when I was, uh, joining a missions team to go to Mauritania and I really felt called to Mauritania. And over the years, I feel like, you know, uh, you know, the Lord's person asked of me, you know, ask me for the nations and I'll give them to you as an inheritance. So I view uh, churches in Mauritania as my inheritance. Now, some of that's been a difficult area. <laughs> it's a difficult mission field. It's an Islamic Republic. I won't go into a lot of details, but, but um, I met my wife there. She's from the Canary Islands, which is just off the coast. That's our base. We're here for a while, just for some preparation and she's going to a ministry school. But we're going back. Uh, we're planning on going back. Even the kids look forward to going back. I said, I don't know if you've ever been there, but uh, it's uh, Hawaii. No, but Mortania is, I mean, that has to be one of the toughest places to be called to. It is if you don't like the beach. <laughs> but I like the beach. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a person who is has a very deep relationship with the Lord. <laughs> I tell you, I feel so close to Jesus when I'm out there just hitting a wave and gliding out, you know, about 50 yards and coming down, feeling like a flying fish. Oh, I could just go right there. 
<laughs> you are a tremendous example of how if you let Jesus into your life daily through his word and let him speak to you in the Holy Spirit, it everything is not boring. It's radical. Uh, it's super exciting. and uh, But it's tough, too. I mean, I'm sure working with homeless is not a picnic. Working in Mortania has... I, has is beyond I, I don't think you could describe and people could believe what you the conditions and uh, and it's not exactly a friendly uh, to the gospel friendly to Jesus place it's the exact opposite that's true um, there's it is that but there's a there's a passion and excitement in it it's a it's a lot like an extreme sport <laughs> you know some people look at <laughs> extreme sport they just go I'd never do that and if you're in the extremes where you think, I, I, I am so glad I can do this. Do you see that? The older I get, the more I say, I, I can't believe they do that. <laughs> that is what's so thrilling about a guy like you and a guy like Arnie Cole, is that it's just, you're the steady eddies, man, in your race, you're, you just don't slow down. And that is awesome. Yeah. So whatever the age. Yeah. You know? Well, um, when I think of Arnie, I see, I think of that verse, you know, where uh, young men grow faint, grow weary, but those who wait on the Lord, you know, even as old timers, we're going to soar. So, Paul, we want to double back here on, on homelessness. So take the average person, the average Christ follower, and, you know, how in the U.S. do you recommend people interact with, with the homeless? You know, we're not in that industry— right ministry aspect well i'm i'm convinced that in each church you have disciple makers right and uh, in america we've lost um, because of our individualism we've lost that lifestyle discipleship that you see jesus model and also in the early church it was much more group oriented uh, in mauritania in poor countries for example you don't have homelessness and they're much poorer much poorer than the u.s why is it as a group oriented it's, it would be a shame worse than death not to take care of your brother. You would insist on them coming in. You would take them in. Um, so we have a cultural issue, and then we also have a discipleship issue. We've lost a lifestyle discipleship. We'll, we'll share with someone. We'll get them in a Bible study. We'll do something like that. But when you have people, and most people that are homeless are homeless because they've had a catastrophic perversion or loss of family, by and large no father, no something. You can go to the statistics, you know, how many how many men in prison did not have a father figure in their life? How many, it just rolls down like that. So the response to homelessness is that we as, as people of God's family need to become family to them. And it's complicated because there's growing numbers of people from prison that are put out and they can't find a home. No one will rent to them. You have poor people, you have generational issues that are going on. It's complex, you know, so what we're putting together is a kind of a matrix to, to just assess the homeless person to see where they're at. Um, I'm starting organized camps just to discern who are the criminal elements, who are the people that are a bit calm, you know, just stuck, and who are the ones the closest and ready for a hand up that need family and lifestyle discipleship. And we're working through those issues now. But it's fascinating because everything I've learned up to this point, I'm using, working with people. So, nice. um, 
Wow. We'll learn more as we go ahead, and I'll have more to share as we as we do this. But anyway, it's uh, it's exciting. <laughs> uh, Paul, if you feel like your testimony is one of the weak, um, why why do you say that though? Because we're listening to you, and I mean, this is blowing everyone away. So why do you say that? Well, I I think the best way to put it is I think we get confused easy, you know, because we have a we have Jesus in us, right? And and he's beautiful, he's brilliant. And I, sorry about this, but, <laughs> and I got hay fever on top of it. But I just know, I know who I am without him. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense because I if, I, if I'm not in the word, I go back to that. And I don't want to be that yeah. anymore. Well put, exactly. I guess I'm, in him, you know, I'm, I'm brilliant too, right? But it's really <laughs> to underline, you know, in him. I guess that's the weak, the weak aspect I just like to bring up. So good. Just authentic, you know. Well, thanks, Pablo. Great seeing you again. I think it's really encouraging to see someone getting up there in years and still on fire for Jesus, willing to move wherever God wants him to go. It's incredible. Age just a number for Paul. So really exciting, Arnie. Great guest. Next week, we'll be talking to Cindy as we go closer. Visit GoCloser.com today for more stories of transformation and for your copy of Faith in Real Life, a powerful book that will inspire you to walk in the light, even when life gets dark. Request your copy of Faith in Real Life at GoCloser.com.